Welcome back to another episode of the Purple and Bold podcast, the James Madison Sports podcast from the Daily News Record. I'm Shane Metlin here with Noah Fleischman again. We're your JMU beat writers at the DNR, uh, talking a little bit about JMU sports, kind of recapping what was the 2021-2022 school year. Uh, We'll start with the team that just wrapped up their season kind of on a not-so-great note as a tough finish for JMU baseball. Noah was covering them all season long. Just let him kind of dive into what happened down the stretch for JV baseball as they finished with the winning record, but barely because uh, the last few weeks were rough. Yeah, they had a really good start to the CAA play. Um, I mean, they took they only, only dropped one series in the first four or five. They were doing what they wanted, winning the weekends, and that's what they thought would put them in a good position. But you kind of got these last two weekends, and it, it didn't go extremely well. They, they went to Hofstra and, and got swept, and then... They lose at Maryland, which is you weren't really expecting a win there. And then against UNCW, they took one of the three, took the Saturday game, fifteen to six, but then came back the next day and lost nine to two. So wasn't great. They lost an extra innings in the first game. I mean, overall, you finished twenty seven to twenty six. They had a winning record and their best best finish in CAA play since Eichenberry's first year. So a good year, I guess, when you look at building off of the past couple of seasons. But overall, not what they were expecting. But I guess with what they're working with, they had a lot of young guys playing toward the end of the year. You had Trayvon Dabney was out for a while toward the end with an injury. You lost Mason Dunaway at the end with an injury. So they battled injuries for most of the year, and then they somehow came out with a winning record. So I think they'll take that after you're playing a lot of freshmen and sophomores for most of the year. Yeah, you mentioned the sweep at Hofstra. We can talk here briefly about Hofstra's finish to the season where they were yeah. walking off everybody, and uh, including – the yeah, title. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Walk off, hit by pitch. That's a that's one way to get to the NCAA tournament. You're not going to see that very often. Um, so, but that kind of gets into you know they lose. They're swept by Hofstra. Like each game was a nail biter. They, they've lost those in as heart, heartbreaking fashion as you could possibly do. You can even go back to the Charleston series. We talked about so much. But Charleston was the best team in the regular season. They were awfully close to being. A lot better than they were. For some reason they struggled. I mean, obviously injuries. You mentioned Trayvon Dabney out late in the season. Chase Delauder out for large chunk of the season. Other guys in and out of the lineup. It, it was tough. And if we kind of recap the entire JMU school year, we're going to talk a lot about injuries. Um, but was that was that the main thing with the baseball team down the stretch? Was it? As we see with maybe some other teams, as you get towards those last two weeks and there's no tournament in front of you, and you know you're falling down the standings, like it's hard to gather up the motivation for the last couple of games. Like, how much of it was a combination of those things, one or the other? What exactly led to the not great finish there? Yeah, I think it was definitely you're guy- you're playing guys with not a lot of experience, and, and that's probably played a big role. I mean, you lost Trayvon Dabney for five games. You were without Chase Delauder, their star, who's not going to be back going to the draft this summer. And then they, for the last series, they were out with Jason Schiavone, their freshman catcher who's been playing really well the whole year. Um, he got hit by pitch at Hofstra in the head, and that ended his season. So, unfortunately, I think it was mainly a majority of, you know, you're playing inexperienced guys here at the end, and when you're playing these teams that are battling for a spot in the, in the tournament and, and playing there, then that's what happens. I mean, Hofstra, they, they, they lost the first two by combined <coughs> three runs, and then they lost the last one 15-6 at Hofstra. But... I think that's the biggest thing, and I think if you take their opening day lineup and play it toward the end of the year, I think they're in a lot different situation, but unfortunately that's how the season-long 56-game season goes for them, and I think they're going to be back next year, and they've got a lot of 
redshirt juniors coming back who've said, you know, let's do this one last time, and, and that's a really good sign. They have a good core coming back in the infield, and that'll help them out next year. Yeah, that kind of gets to the what was the elephant in the room for the last <clears throat> few weeks of the season was if Ikenberry would be coming back as coach. Because yeah. those, like you said, those guys, those, was five? Will be redshirt seniors, super seniors, however you want to describe it. They've got four, four of them coming back, and then they lost. They lost Trevor <laughs> Schneider, who will be one, but he's going yeah. to UVA. But other than yeah. that, they got four back and four solid guys coming back. Yeah, so those guys coming back, and it seems you know if we haven't heard anything at this point. It seems like Ike's coming back too. So you know, playing a lot of young guys to build around those that core. Yeah. How much optimism should there be moving forward when you look at? You know, there's there's not going to be a major change or major shakeup. There's not a major shakeup next year. We were looking at it like kind of the last series. You look around the diamond, you're like, all right, you can pretty much figure out where everyone's going to go. The only question mark I think next year is really going to be starting pitching. Um, kind of bit them in, in the butt this year toward the end. Uh, but I think you return two solid starters. You're really going to have to look for that Sunday starter next year. But other than that, the infield basically stays untouched. Um, you lose Chase Lauder in center, but you get Jalen Lee from Eastern Mennonite who probably – come in day one and be that center fielder for them next year so overall the actual position players they, they look great it's just kind of a matter of who's going to be that final starter because you've got donovan burke who who only made two starts this year before with an with the season ending arm injury and you had ryan murphy who started the year as a midweek starter and ended up being the sunday starter so now he'll slide to saturday you kind of just got to figure out that last spot but overall when you look around you got trayvon dabney coming back at third got kyle novak coming back at first carson bell and right and Liam Grubb is probably the best bullpen pitcher coming back uh, for their super senior year. So they got a good core to build around. And, I mean, you've got freshmen that were playing. You've got, you know, Jason Schifoni behind the, behind the plate. You look around and you've got a guy like Mace Dunaway, who's probably going to slide, stay at second, or stay at short. And you're going to put Coleman Calabrese, who was a freshman this year, probably at second. He'll be the only new addition pretty much to the infield. But overall, I think it's, it's a good good time for JMU next year with making this transition with a somewhat experienced lineup and a couple guys that don't have experience but they'll get it pretty quick yeah on the one hand you look at there's of the 14 teams that are going to be in the Sun Belt next year yeah. five of them are in the NCAA tournament two of them are hosting regionals so it's a really really good baseball conference it's going to be much harder so if you look at it as you know JMU really struggled down the stretch they Barely finished above 500 in the CA, which is not anywhere near as good a conference. You know, how are they going to do it? On the other hand, we just talked about all the injuries. We talked about young guys moving up. What's a reasonable expectation? I I don't expect them to be, you know, hosting a regional next year or anything. But are they going to be competitive? I think they'll they'll be a competitive team, especially with having so many of these older guys back that are pretty much what they build the order around. you got Trayvon Dabney at the leadoff spot who has more free bases than hits this year between walks and hit by pitch. I mean, he's the only guy in Jimmy history to have multiple seasons of 20 or more hit by pitch seasons. Like, he's a guy who finds a way to get on base. You got Kyle Novak, probably the best pure hitter on the team. I would say, you know, outside of Chase Lauder, he's, he's the best hitter and he'll be the best hitter next season. And so I think for those two guys to build your lineup around, I think the ceiling is, you know, being a tournament team, an NCAA tournament team, making a good run in the Sun Belt tournament. And I think that's what you have to do to. Get there. You can build your your, your resume just around the Sun Belt, basically, just with how many good teams there will be there next year. But I think uh, when you look at what's like a optimistic but a realist way of looking at, it, I think they probably go 500 next year in the Sun Belt, just because you're going to play the Southern Miss, you're going to play ODU, you're going to play Georgia Southern. These are all teams. ODU just missed the tournament. They would have been a six team in for the Sun Belt. So it's like, yeah. I think 
realistically, a, probably a 500 finish is something that's good that first year. But I think on the high end, you could look at a team that makes a run in the Sun Belt tournament, maybe gets to the semifinal round, and then you have a shot at getting an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you talked also about they need to find some more starting pitching yeah. or just you know pitching depth in general. How much of that is going to be guys developing this summer or wherever they go play, whether they're staying around here in the Valley League or you know Coastal Plain League, wherever guys end up. Yeah. I've seen the list, and I don't remember exactly where everybody is, but you know, they're spread around. Um, how much is it going to be just developing those guys that you already have on the roster during the summer here? How much of it is, is Transfer Portal going to play into this with baseball? I don't... You know, I follow it extensively in football, basketball, some other sports. When you get into these sports where it's not full scholarships all the time, I don't know exactly how much, exactly how it works as far as getting the transfers, the big name, big big time transfers that are ready to come and contribute. It seems like a lot of times there's something else that factors into them making that decision to transfer to another school. Can you just go out and grab your next starting pitcher? And transfer portal the way you might in another sport where you say I need a point guard or I need you know a running back and we're going to go get him. Well, when you look at it, I think they may have they would have already done it by now because they, they went and got Chase Lauder's replacement pretty quick with Jalen Lee, a guy a D three mm-hmm. hitter, but I mean he played in the Valley last year and made the All Star game. A guy who couldn't even get on a Valley League team at the beginning of the summer last year and ended up being one of the top hitters in the Valley. Um, he's back in the Valley this year. He'll make one of I think fifteen or sixteen guys playing the Valley this summer from JMU, and you also have. Handful of guys going to the Coastal Plain League. You've got, um, including a pitcher going to the Savannah Bananas, so that'll be, be fun to watch. But, yeah, I mean, I think developing is probably the route they go because Donovan Burke was a guy, a prime example of this last summer. He was a bullpen guy the year before. They sent him to the Strasburg Express of the Valley League, said, we want you to become a starting pitcher. So he, he got seven starts, I think, last summer. They were just to get him in the, in the rhythm of being a starter, starting every f- five, six days. And then he came back out and threw lights out. He, he had like 17, 18 strikeouts in his two appearances, took a per- perfect game in the seventh inning of his last appearance, which was the second one. So I think that might be the route they go. They've had success with it. You, you look at a guy like Justin Scholl, the same way, who's, who's been developed in that starter. So I think more than likely we'll see a guy that's currently on the roster kind of try to fill that Sunday hole. But we've also seen it this year where they, they cycle people through. If you're not really performing on Sunday, they'll get moved to the midweek and they'll put someone else in. So... I think they'll look internally first and see if there's someone that they think they can develop. Because Donovan Burke did it really well last year, and I think that he's primed to be that that Friday night starter for. Yeah, putting a bow on baseball and just you know really JMU yeah. sports for the year in general. Anything else that stood out to you just in these last few weeks of the baseball season, other than the wind's not coming? Uh, I think you know. The guys were playing motivated throughout the most of the, most of the season. I think that you know when you look at a team like this, you can't play in the tournament, and you kind of look at it like, well, I'm not getting, you're not going to get an NCAA tournament large bid, being 27 and 26. Um, but I think they were motivated throughout. I think it's a positive sign. They weren't really down. I mean, I talked to Trayvon Dabney after the last game, and it was like, why are you coming back? And he's like, because this feeling right here, the, the feeling of dejection at the end of the year and not being able to play the tournament. He doesn't want to feel that again, and I think they're going to use this year of not being able to go and play in the CAA tournament where they would have been, I think, the third or fourth seed and take that and go to the Sun Belt and try to make a run. And so that was the biggest thing that may have surprised people toward the end of the last two weeks. Is it wasn't the best the last two weeks of the year, but they were still motivated to win every game, and, and it, they were genuinely mad that they that they couldn't win these games. So I think that's probably the, the biggest thing. Yeah, and like you said, they would have been in a three or four seed in the CAA even even all things considered, yeah. happening, um, 
you look at the series we talked about, you know, a healthy full lineup probably wins a couple games at Charleston, probably wins a couple games at Hofstra. And probably takes at least one more from UNCW. So I think yeah. if you look at the full lineup from opening day, they're in contention to be a one or two seed. Yeah, which what I want to get to is that is the theme of JMU athletics this year. You, you can look at baseball. You can look at men's and women's basketball, men's soccer, you know, softball, not just injuries, but, you know, death kind of derails the season. Like, add in that football was a champion, lacrosse was a champion, both went to their playoffs. You're talking about five of the other very major sports in the athletic department. Seasons, you know, that are looked at as disappointing seasons that really were just kind of derailed by injuries, illness, you know, other things that you would not, you know, expect is there is that just bad luck? Something happening? Like I mean, I don't know if you start to look at your uh, your your training and sports medicine departments, you know, strength and conditioning. I don't know. Like it is just bad luck that that happened kind of across the board in JMU sports this year. I think in some of these sports, it's a long season, especially when you look at baseball, softball. It's a long season. Yeah. Things are going to happen. Obviously, not in the extreme you want to see from softball, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're going to point a finger at the athletic training staff. Or the, I, the I'm not saying team. that. I, guess. <laughs> I think it's kind of just the – it's college sports, right? You're you're dealing with people 18 to 22. It's Things happen, and you try to build from them and move on. But as disappointing as these seasons were, I feel like a lot of schools around the country would take a lot of these outcomes that you had, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with, you know, some teams – even if, like, if they were eligible for the state tournament, a lot of these teams would have done well. And so – I think that it's more of a building piece, moving to the Sun Belt next year or the American if you're lacrosse and, and kind of building off of this year that you could have looked at as a lost year, but they, most teams made it, made, had to work with what they had. Yeah, if you want to get into detail about each each team, we, we just covered baseball, like how close they were to yeah. maybe be in first place in the league. You look at softball. They finished one game back of Delaware. Jamie and Delaware both did not play their last two series of the year. One, one was against each other scheduled for Harrisonburg. Jamie had won five games in a row, was playing their best softball of the year when they canceled their season. It, it's not a stretch to think that, like, you know, they win two of three of that, win the next series, and finish first in the CAA in softball. Yep. So that's softball and baseball. where we're, we're talking the same story. Go back to the fall, men's soccer. <clears throat> the CAA preseason player of the year, men's soccer, Ansel Melker, is out you know that, that kind of derails you know the men's soccer team they finished second there they were borderline kind of a bubble ncaa team um that ended up kind of falling down the stretch didn't get to play in the tournament so another another team where we're talking about you know first or second in the ca if they're healthy probably in the ncaa tournament men's and women's basketball is the exact same yep. thing uh bo- both of those teams you know We've we've covered all the injuries with that. You know, I would say for the women's basketball team, two of the ten, twelve most talented players in the entire league were out for the season for JBU. Uh, so those are you know two teams that probably would have been first or second in yep. the CAA, maybe winning the regular season if they're healthy. You you look at volleyball; they just barely missed you know, a regular season championship. They were healthy. They just, you know, Towson was a really good team in volleyball, but that's another team that was up there in the mix. Uh, Probably would have had a chance to win that CAA tournament if they could have played in it. Just across the board, 
it's going to look like just looking at the stats if you or the records if you look at what Jamie's done the last three four five years in the CAA kind of dominating sports across the board it's going to look like they kind of dropped off and dropped off right before making a jump in conference which you know I'm sure if you're not a JMU fan around the CAA fans of other teams you're probably like oh ha 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 yeah you, you think you're ready to move up you're, you're not as good as you thought you were but it's really really incredible when you just really break it down sport by sport how many of the best players on this campus were injured for significant amount of time if not the entire season or during crunch time that really just kind of you know made it extremely bad luck 2021-22 season on top of that November disappointment when they find out they're not going to play in any of the postseason conference tournaments. Yeah, I think it's, as I said earlier, it's probably a good building block. I mean, you move to Sun Belt now where you're going to be able to play in a conference tournament and accept football. But I think overall, I think they're excited for the move, and I think it'll be a good start. You'll get all these, hopefully, people back healthy, and, and you make a run for next year. Yeah. Yeah, not sure exactly what else to say about that. We can we can move on to uh, a few things to look forward to this summer when it comes yep. to you know JMU sports. Uh, latest news today: uh, Kamaya Smalls, former JMU basketball women's basketball standout, uh, is heading back to the WNBA, making her second run in that league, getting signed by the Minnesota Lynx today. Um, so we, you know, and I were just kind of talking about here about you know the the WNBA where there's talk of expansion and everything Kamaya would would have been like a prime example of if this player is not good enough to play in your league right now maybe you need four teams and then we don't we don't know exactly what you know how the financials of that all works but talent wise she was a prime example of you know there's really really good players that aren't in the WNBA right now because that's how deep the talent base is so congrats to her for getting back into the league uh that's something we can keep an eye on here we'll have to have to get and check the schedule, see if one of us can get up to uh, D.C. maybe whenever they come to play uh, the Mystics. I don't know. Yeah, we can go catch up with her and, <laughs> and see how WNBA – I don't know what kind of contract she got signed to, but um, if do you know if it's a full contract or is it a hardship? I'm not exactly sure, but, yeah, she's – I'll do uh, some digging. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, when you look around JMU, you got that going on, right? You've got Mike Green signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading to training camp, which now should be just called the JMU Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the amount of guys <laughs> that are on the team. Yeah. You've got Chase Lauder, who's projected first-round pick in July in the MLB draft. I mean, he's fallen a little bit, probably like nine picks, just because he didn't play. But, I mean, still a comfortable first-round pick in the middle of the round. And So, I mean, overall, it's an exciting time for JMU past, you know, after they move on from JMU and they go into the professional leagues of their sports. Yeah, I wonder if that'll be something um, you know, between now and July. Is there anything going on with Chase as far as just, um, you know, he's not going to play anywhere. Yeah. Is, is there anything he can do to kind of like show teams where, where he stands as far as health-wise or you know, just how his swings look and everything since he hasn't played so long? And that has caused him to drop a little bit, even though he's still looking at first-round money. Yeah, so toward the end of the year, he was off crutches, walking and walking a bit, which is a good sign, and he'll start to kind of ramp up. I imagine I'm going to talk to him at the end of the week about kind of all this, but in June, the MLB Top 300 basically combine is in San Diego, so I'd assume he would at least go, maybe not participate in every event there, but at least go and get your face in front of teams, do interviews, do your physical, do all that. That's where that's where they do all that. So the Top 300 prospects get invited. Of course, he's definitely in the Top 300 prospects, so he'll probably go to that. And that'll be a big thing, a big thing for him, really, to get in front of teams and say, hey, I didn't play the last 20 games of the year, but... 
I'm healthy and I don't need to go play in the Cape or anything like that because he's not on any roster for the summer league. So I think he said I'm looking at probably that as his um, benchmark of getting in front of these teams, saying here's who I am. You already know what you're going to get. My foot broke, but I'll be fine. So I think that's probably the biggest thing for him. Yeah, before we wrap up a short episode today, um, anything else that you're looking forward to in particular for the summer, which is when it comes to JMU sports, uh, we got, you know, what do you say, probably about a month where it's a little bit of a stretch, what we yep. talk about here before football really gets ramped up again. But I know you're probably going to be doing some interviews with some football players here over the next few weeks and everything. Anything that you're really looking forward to, either seeing kind of as a tangently connected to JMU thing where we talk about guys on the pros or, you know, any any particular kind of stories or anything you're looking forward to doing here over the summer? I mean, it'd be good to sit down with, so we're going to sit down with some football players, sitting down with Chase a few times throughout the summer leading up to the draft. So we'll have something on that, basically like a path to the draft of looking at, you know, the different steps of the way until you get to draft night in July. But, um, you know, you look around and the football field's got new logos on it. The baseball field's got new logos. The basketball court probably going to have new logos soon. So exciting time here in Harrisburg. Yeah, and pre- before we know it, we'll be starting to preview some of the fall sports. <laughs> uh, if I look at some of the uh, new teams that we're going to be seeing, um, talking to, I know we'll be talking to, you know, as many um, over the course of the summer, as many people from other Sun Belt teams as we yeah. possibly can to uh, get ready for that. And should have some exciting stuff coming on to uh, the DNR uh, over the summer and probably more talk about that soon. But. Uh, in the meantime, this has been the Purple and Bold Podcast. I'm Shane Metlin. You've been listening to Noah Fleischman. And thank you for tuning in. <laughs>